Hello, and welcome to the Rethink Missions podcast, where we learn from the stories and lessons of cross-cultural servants to the unreached people groups of the world. Welcome to today's episode. Here's your host, Jeremy Wardlaw. Welcome to another episode of Rethink Missions podcast. Today's episode is a continuation of our previous episode with Andy McMartin. This one is with Joel McMartin. We're going to be focusing on the role of a host church and a host family in helping new families integrate and adapt to their national context. In our situation here, it's really important. Our host family and host church is a really important part of us learning to integrate and adapt to the national context here. So we're going to pick Joel's brain on ways in which new missionaries can learn and put themselves in the learner's position here. So we'll just jump right in with Joel here. So, Joel, maybe could you tell us your story, some of those challenges of adapting to a new country, new language, new culture? Obviously, there's the language element that we talked about. Um, What were some of the other challenges you guys faced and you faced as a husband, father? Yeah, that's a good question. I I think, um, I mean, we talked earlier about some of the, the 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 difficulties or the shocks that we face upon arrival um, but that that's just the beginning I mean it took us our, our first term here we were about two and a half years and pretty much that entire time we were going through this process this journey of integrating and adapting and building relationships and learning language and all that thing all that kind of stuff and so um, that's a significant chunk of time and and so there's a, a lot of different experiences and and um, things that happen throughout that time. And I guess for me, one of the one of the biggest struggles, and I guess probably more towards the end, is you get to this place where you're semi-functional. You know, you 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 speak a little bit of a language. You're at least conversational, anyways. You know, so you can do some chit chat. Um, you you've kind of figured out how to get around and how to function in in um, in the environment and the context, how to buy your basic necessities, and how to um, have some basic relationships and stuff like that. But I think for me that that the that's not enough. It's enough maybe if you're if you're just going to be living there for a specific time or something like that. But it's it's not a place that you can do ministry from, really, because you don't really have the the, the tools and the, the everything that would be necessary in order to, to be engaging in ministry on a deeper heart level, worldview level type of ministry. And so the challenge is how do you get how do you get beyond that? How do you get how do you get to a place that's deeper than that? And and I think when I was at that place, um, one of the honestly one of the first challenges for me is just I don't know if it's motivational or if it's discipline or whatever, but it's just actually getting up and doing something. You know that especially when we're talking about some of these contexts, especially when it gets hot and the heat just drains your energy, and so you just you don't. I I'll just talk about myself, right? I just did not feel like doing things, and so. Or, or or I would dread doing them. And so it's just it's this mental process of, of getting up the sometimes the courage 
or the energy or whatever it is to just actually go out and do it. For example, to go talk to this person, go visit and talk to this person that I don't know very well and maybe I don't even really like that much, but somehow getting myself to go do that or to um, get myself off the couch or out of wherever I'm doing and to go outside where it's maybe hot and uncomfortable and to go spend time with some people or to go do something else. And so that that process there, I think... Um, was was key and 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 it comes out in a lot of different ways because honestly one of the one of the biggest things that that is essential for for any time but especially a time like this is your relationship with God and so when you're in this place where things are busy where you're trying to make sure that you're doing the things that you need to do it's really easy to even let your relationship with God slide to where you're not spending the time that you should be, that you need to in order to be connecting to him and, and developing your relationship with him. And so if you don't have that, it's really hard to be engaging and thriving in any way, let alone anything that's meaningful. And so, again, it's, it's, it comes back to discipline sometimes. It comes back to, you know, I need to be disciplined and just make sure that I have that time with God, whether I feel like it or not. And it comes back to... Um, uh, discipline in terms of doing the doing the steps that I need to to be successful in my program and my ministry, etc. And just to maybe give a, an illustration of that, sometimes for me, it was almost like um, uh, rock jumping, you know, like jumping off high rocks into water, which maybe for some people that's that's not a big deal, and the, but for me it's always it's still something that I mean I enjoy doing it. But it's still something that I get up there and it's like, whoosh, man, am I really going to jump? And so it's, this, it's, it's kind of this mental battle, right? And, and, and I, there's a part of me that feels like, ah, I don't really want to do this. But I have, to, I have to get to this place where I'm just like, okay, I'm not going to think about that and I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And then I do it and then it's like, woohoo, yeah, that was fun. And so there's, there's a little bit of analogy sometimes for that with me with, with engaging in this cross-cultural um, integration and all of that. There's times where it's definitely, there's definitely at least a part of you, if not your entire being, <laughs> that kind of says, I really don't want to do this, and especially not right now. But after you've taken that leap and you've done it, then then frequently it's like, oh wow, I'm just, I'm really glad I did that. That was really great. Mm. And but but unless you're able to get over that that step, it's just really hard to to actually do the things that you need to do. I don't know if that makes sense at all, but yeah. Yeah. And so part of part of these jumps or these steps would include relationships, of course. Um, what are some of those key relationships for you as you were engaging? Yeah, no, that's that's a really good question. Um, I, I, I think that and and I, I honestly I'd say that's that's probably the second area that I would highlight as one of the biggest struggles because it's it's so hard to do and at the same time it's so important um, when you talk about and and that's part of the reason what I was just talking about of, of getting up the desire to actually go out your door and do it that's part of it it is this whole intimidating factor of relationships because. It's hard to communicate. You don't have the language skills. You don't have the, the cultural understanding. And so getting to this place where you're able to develop a relationship is just really hard because you don't even know how to do that well. Um, what, what are the things that are, that are meaningful and how do you 
um, how do you communicate well? Um, the way it, it's like you're it's like you're you're trying to dance, and your dance part, partner is dancing different steps because what the way that you're used to maybe engaging in relationships and even communicating, even just beyond the the language, the words that you speak, there's a way of communicating that's actually quite different. And so you might understand all the words that each other are speaking, but somehow you're missing the communication on a deeper level. And so all of these factors tie in. You've got communication factors. You've got cultural differences. You've got just vastly different life experiences and contexts in which we grew up and all that kind of stuff that all factors in there. And so then, then, then I go out and I'm trying to somehow build a relationship with this person. And it's just, it's, it's so incredibly difficult. I don't know how, how to say it other than that. And, and so that becomes one of the things that is really a huge, it's a huge opportunity, but it's at the same time, it's just a really huge obstacle and struggle in terms of how do we effectively develop relationships with people that are so vastly different than us and how do we do that effectively? But, but we, we, we choose to do it. We have to do it. We want to do it because that is the, the, the context, the vehicle for our, for our ministry. We can't have ministry if we don't have these relationships. We can't have meaningful interactions with people if we don't have these relationships. And so that's the whole thrust of what we're trying to do here. Right. So one of the things you've helped me with is a host church and a host family. And that's one of the things you help other other uh, families and singles mm-hmm. as they move to the field here. Can you kind of talk about that mm-hmm. important relationship of the host family and the host church? Sure. So, basically, what we're again, we we have a program for for those who arrive on the field to kind of help them through this process of of integration and and learning language and culture and all that kind of stuff. And it's it's nothing. It's not like it's new or. Um, you know, groundbreaking or revolutionary in that in that sense. I, I guess how I would describe it is I'd just say it's it's helping to encourage and guide people to follow and apply principles that people all throughout the years through generations have been doing and and honestly, I would say even that in a lot of ways are tied to biblical themes and, and different things like that. And so, but but again, it kind of relates to this whole aspect of of building relationships because again, that's that's one of the key challenges is building those relationships. And how do you how do you do that? How do you get to where you are able to have a meaningful relationship with someone who's coming from such a place that's so vastly different than than you are? And and so as as part of the program, of course, we've they, we've got. Uh, we've already talked about some of the aspects like lang- learning language and you know there's learning culture and stuff like that and but all of those take place in the context of relationships because you have to have someone to interact with but how do you do that and so one of the key components that we do is we pair people with a local host um, and 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 we, we've got we have believers here we've got local believers in local churches and so um, they understand. To to you know, they they believe in the same thing that we believe in, which is um, 
not only our faith and subscribing to a common faith and, and all of that, but also this aspect of, of reaching the lost and, and why we've come here. And so there's, there's already a certain sense of partnership there. So all that to say that, that if, we, if, we take, if, if we take someone like you and we pair them with a local believer, that local believer hopefully now has more investment, more um, desire to want to help you and to help you succeed than just someone you might happen to randomly run into on the street. Mm. Um, so what we do then is we take you, we'll pair you with a local believer, and, and that believer then becomes the doorway through which you can enter in and, and connect with and experience this whole realm of relationships and life and culture and language and stuff like that because, because there's someone that will, in a sense, take you by the hand and guide you and... and, and and have you follow them as they're participating in life. And, and honestly, the, the best analogy that I can think of is, is like a parent. And, and I often would, would, would say to someone, this is your African father or mother. Because it's the same thing that, that my parents did with me when I'm growing up. They, they guide me through life. They guide me how to interact and respond to people around me, other kids, my own siblings, the neighbors, siblings, etc. They guide me and they, they teach me how to interact in various cultural and social settings. They help me learn language. Like there's just all, all a whole slew of activities like that where my parents are guiding me and helping me develop into a functional adult in, in my society. Well, now I'm in a different society. And so I, I, I somehow need to figure out how to become a functional adult in this society. And so having someone who serves as a big brother or a father or a guide in some way to help you do that is just huge. And they are able to, like I said, because they have a vested interest, because they've accepted, again, we're, we're asked, we'll all go to this couple and say, hey, would you take this new family under your wing and help them in their integration process? And yes, okay, they accept, they, they want to do that. So now, now they have a vested interest in helping you to succeed as well. And and they already are established and functional adults in the society. So right away they can start giving you advice and input on how to do how to act appropriately. They can connect you. They have a whole relationship of, of a whole network of relationships and friendships that they have that they can introduce you, they can take you along to events and activities and stuff like that. So it just becomes this this key relationship that then becomes a springboard for you to develop further relationships eventually as you progress on in that. Um, and so I, it's, not, it's not the only thing, but I do feel like it is, it is a really key part of, of our program and the way that we have designed things for people to be able to integrate into life and culture here. What would you say, let's say someone like me, engaging or trying to engage uh, with a host family, host mom and host dad what are ways to demonstrate that I, I want to learn mm. because maybe there's baggage, well there is baggage yes. we come to the relationship and, and they may come yes. to the relationship as well so what are ways that I can actively demonstrate no I really want to learn yeah that's huge because I, ultimately, again we've kind of touched on this already but ultimately that's key to everything and, and again, as I mentioned earlier, as we, it's not a new principle. 
and we believe it's a very biblical principle. And I would point to passages like, for example, Philippians chapter 2, that, that describes Christ's life and ministry, and that attitude of humility and that is very closely linked to an attitude of a learner. Um, and, and so, yeah, if, if we're not able to do that and do that well, it's going to be really hard for us to engage in ministry. And, and so I'm glad you, you mentioned that, you asked that. Because take, for example, okay, so, so you now have a host family. And this host family has accepted to take you under the, their wing. And they're trying to um, teach you about life and culture here. They give you a piece of advice and it doesn't seem like you listen to it, and you definitely don't apply it. Okay, well, how many times is that going to happen before they close up and stop giving you advice? Hmm. Probably not very many, especially, like you said, because there's this baggage that already exists there. And so, so presenting ourselves, establishing ourselves as learners is, is essential to this whole process. It's huge. And, and, and it's, again, it's, it's, it takes humility. Um, and, and, and I think in, in terms of answering your question, well, how do I do that? How do I present myself as a learner? Um, I, I, I would say, not to be over-spiritual or anything, but I'd say the first thing, man, you need to get on your knees and pray for that spirit of humility. Mm. Because, and, and it comes from God. It, it, it's, it's not natural. It's not something that we normally exhibit an attitude of humility. And so we need God to be supplying us with that humility. And then we need to be practicing it, trying to actually live that, that, that attitude of humility and that spirit of a learner. So I think it comes out in a lot of different ways practically. It starts by asking questions, by asking how to do things, um, even things that you may think that you already know how to do. Well, because the reality is, yeah, you maybe know how to do that where you came from, but do you really know how to do that here? Perhaps not. And, and even if you do know how to do it, doesn't matter. Like just asking, hey, will you show me how, to do, how you would do this, demonstrates that I'm wanting to learn from you. Now, of course, the caveat is, like I said, you have to, if you're asked that question, you need to then say, am I willing to, to actually turn around and apply what they told me? No, I'm not trying to say that. Wow, you just become a slave, and everything they do, you have to, everything they say, you have to do. But at the very least, you should be doing more than you should be not. You should be listening and applying the majority of what they say. So there should be more things that you're accepting and Im- implementing than there are that you're refusing. Because otherwise, how can you say that you're you're really being a learner? Um, I think uh, it again. Having that attitude to be like, hey, will you show me how to, for example, what clothes to wear? Okay, because clothing is going to be very different. But but it might be even something that hits a little bit closer to home. Like, hey, how do you interact with your children? Wow. Is that something that I'm willing to get into? Um, Again, and this is an example of where, yeah, I might not do everything the way that someone in this context might do it. But at the very least, I probably need to understand how they do it, and more importantly, why they do it a certain way. So I need to take some time to, to understand it and to, to get as close as I can to that. So presenting yourself as a learner, yeah, I think it has to be has to do with asking those questions, taking advice, um, implementing that advice, um, being willing to ask stupid questions, um, 
being willing to being seen as as an idiot in a lot of ways and just say, yeah, wow, I really don't know how to do that. Will you show me how to do it? Um, and and that it seems simple. It's easy to talk about, but it really it's really hard to do. And and sometimes it's in the face of of being ridiculed. Someone's ridiculing you for for doing something. So let's just uh, just a simple example. I might be eating a mango, and someone says, "Wow, you don't even you don't you don't know how to eat a mango or or whatever." Well, okay, I can try to defend myself, or I can you know laugh it off as a joke, or you know whatever. There's a part of me maybe that my pride's a little bit hurt that they think I don't know how to eat a mango right or something like that. But but underneath it all, if I if I pay attention and if I have the humility, it's actually a learning opportunity. For me to say, oh, well, how do you, how, how should I be doing it? How do you do it? But am I willing to get to that place? Am I willing to let go of my pride and laugh at myself along with them and then take that next step of asking them, okay, now will you help me to do it better? Will you help me to do it your way? And then actually put that into practice. Yeah, just yesterday doing a bowl meal, I got laughed at because I... I was supposed to share something and mm-hmm. I didn't or something and I like I think I missed that opportunity. I just like swallowed my pride and kept eating. I should have asked, "Oh wait, how am I supposed to cut up yeah, the chicken and the It's a very natural and normal reaction for us to just to suddenly feel again it, it touches on our pride and our identity or whatever to just to just be like, "Oh man, I did I didn't do it right or I look like an idiot or whatever it is." And so, yeah, I think hopefully we get to that place where, we're, where we can just swallow our pride and keep going. But even one better, if we can further bury ourselves in our shame and humiliation and just come right out and say, yeah, I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm doing. Exactly. Will you show me? Will you help me? You know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's very difficult at times. So what are, what are some of the most common challenges you see with people as they're interacting with host families, some pitfalls that you see, oop, that's gonna, you're not gonna learn very much mm-hmm. in this relationship if you keep down that road. Well, yeah, that's a difficult question. There's a, there's, um, I think the, the biggest, probably the biggest challenge right out of the gate is because you're starting from such different places you it's so easy to miss each other in communication and understanding and, and figuring out where each one is coming from and where each one is intending to go and and so um, somehow we need to get closer to being on the same page and and sure you've got language and that's developing kind of in the background as you're continuing on in language sessions and stuff like that but but then relationally and culturally and, and all those things as well um, somehow getting to a place that we're on, on a common page that we, ha- we have more in common. Because to develop a relationship, you have to have something in common around which to, to develop that. And so clearly we're starting from quite different places. So there's going to have to be a lot of movement, a lot of give. Relationships are about give and take. There's going to be a lot of give. There's going to be a lot of compromise. And, and, and I believe the burden falls on us on the foreigners, on the outsiders, to be the ones who are going to do the majority of, of that 
giving, of that compromising. Now, ironically, your host is actually doing quite a bit of that as well, but you just don't realize it, especially at the time. And so all the more reason that that I need to be ready to just feel like I'm giving 100% because I'm not even aware of the percentage that he's giving and how much he's accommodating my idiocracies, my faux pas, my cultural mistakes, my communication mistakes and all of that. And so um, we need to be ready to do that. We need to be ready to give a lot. Um, And it starts with, I think, just even reevaluating coming back to the to the beginning reevaluating how do I go about developing relationships and in our context um, one of the the key aspects of relationships and of building those relationships is going to them visiting them and spending time with them and for for us as westerners that doesn't feel very comfortable sometimes for many different reasons, it maybe feels like I'm imposing. It maybe feels like um, uh, I, I, it's it's unequal, or I'd rather invite them over. Like my typical way to to get to know you would be I, I invite you over to my place and for a meal or something like that. But but it's actually it's actually kind of the opposite here. You know, just yesterday even I was talking to a guy and he was saying, "Man, yeah, can you believe it? You know, someone never even it was in the context of a of a of a relationship, but anyway, saying that, can you believe this other person, this other person never comes to visit you at your house? How could you think that that person likes you? Of course they don't like you. So for him, it was very clear in the context of this relationship, these two people, that the one person wasn't visiting the second person, and the second person should have known that that first person didn't really care for them. But, you know, they, for whatever reason, thought that they were, and then were deceived, they were... um, uh, what's the word, disillusioned or disappointed later on to find out that the person didn't really care for them as much as they had thought it was. So so again, and it just, just a, a brief, small comment going by in the conversation that just shows the depth of the underlying presupposition and value system that exists that, of course, if this person really cares for you, they're going to come visit you. And if they don't, then they don't care for you. And so so that's a significantly different starting point from where, where we would be coming from. And so... It's one of the things that I try to stress with people early on and say, you need to go and visit your host and do that regularly and do it often. And, and again, I would say in terms of struggles that people face, you can kind of get to this place where you're comfortable. And so, yeah, maybe you start doing that, you visit your host a lot, and you, you, you get to where that turns into developing more of a relationship. But then it's easy to forget that, that, that there's other people out there besides your host and that that same principle applies that if I'm going to be now broadening my network of relationships and deepening my relationships with those that I've met in the community or um, at church or wherever it is it's that same thing that 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 I I I now go to them and I visit them I spend time with them and and so it's just it's easy to to forget that for one Mm -hmm. and then it's easy to not have time to do that because it is fairly time consuming and so how can you do that on a a broad scale with a lot of different people so I think that's a really key challenge that goes to the heart of developing relationships in our context is that people really need to get out there and be going towards people visiting them at their house Um, just again a short example of this early on in, in the experience with my host family 
um, when we arrived here. We, we had gone out to visit them in, in their, gone out with them to, to spend the day in their village where their family is from, and there was an event going on. I don't remember what it was. And, and so we were there with our family, young kids. It was hot, miserable, you know, and, and we didn't know hardly anybody out there. They're speaking an entirely different language that we haven't even, we're not even learning. It's not the language that we're learning. So we have no possibility of communicating with all these other people that are around us. And, and, and so we're there for, for the majority, the good part of the day, right? And that in itself is, is already um, uh, a more difficult experience. But then, then here we are, we're sitting there, and, and our, our hosts, our friends, they just left us there and were out visiting with their friends and family members, which we couldn't really participate in because, again, we don't speak the language. And so, so again, from my perspective, I'm, I was just feeling like, oh, what a, what a waste. This whole day I come out here, it's not that fun, and then you guys are just abandoning us and you're not even spending time with us. You're just going off and doing these other things, and why am I even here? I could be doing these other things instead. And so we do that, okay, fine, and finally time comes to leave, and I'm still a little bit frustrated, and we're saying our goodbyes and leaving. And they turn to us, and they're just like, wow, guys, thanks for coming. This was just a great day. It's been so amazing for you to come here and spend time with us, and man, it just means so much to us. We really loved it. Thank you. And I'm just blown away. I'm like, what, how, what do I even say to that? I feel, from my perspective, I feel like we didn't even spend time together. But from their perspective... They were honored that we had come and we had spent time on their turf, in their home, with them, even if they weren't always around us. We had given a, a chunk of our time and had spent it in their context. And, and, and so it's like, wow, okay, clearly I need to retrain some of the ways of my, that I've been thinking and the ways that I've been going about building relationships because my concepts aren't, don't necessarily apply here. Hmm. Yeah. It's an out-of-body experience (laughs) to go and be visiting, thinking that you're you're kind of in someone's space, Mm -hmm. not accommodating to -hmm. them at all, and yet in some ways they're appreciating that visit. Even if you're sitting there watching TV, you're Mm -hmm. not even talking the Mm -hmm. same language. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It doesn't make sense from our perspective. It doesn't make sense. But that's the whole point, is that we're, we need to learn what makes sense in this context if we're going to have effective ministry. Um. So another kind of relationship is with the host church. Mm-hmm. What role, ideally, should that play in a family as they're adapting to a national language and culture? Yeah, that's a that's a... A tough one to address in a lot of ways. Um, it's it's inter- it's been interesting over the last few years. There's been a number of people that have arrived onto the field, and and one of the things that they'll highlight, that they'll they'll mention, that they're looking forward to, that they're excited about, is this aspect of interacting with the local church, doing ministry in the context of the local church, and so that's one of the things that, in a sense, you could say draws them to the field, but. The reality is you get here and you find out like, wow, it's it's messy working with the local church. And it's always messy working with any church anywhere, but it's it's additionally messy when you're talking about working cross-culturally with a church. Um, 
so again, and in a lot of ways, it mirrors this whole experience, everything that we've been talking about of having a host family, of having that attitude of a learner and all of that. And, and because we say that we're ministers of the gospel and we want to come and we want to do ministry in this context. Okay. But if we're going to do that effectively, we probably need to take some time to understand what is that context? How is ministry done here in this context? to be able to understand how I can effectively be a part of that. So, um, yeah, I think, again, when we talk about partnering with the local church or the host church, there's a significant amount of time at the beginning where it, really all it means is, is being a learner mm. and, and participating and attending. And, and ironically, it plays really well with the context and the ministry here. And one of the things that I discovered going through this is that um, things that I didn't feel like I was doing or contributing much actually were in a sense contributing and doing ministry to the local church what do I mean by that okay well one of the things that I would that, that I was doing is just saying okay well I'll, I'll try to go to as many church activities as I can um, and for some people that's some people their local churches that's not very realistic because they have so many activities it would be impossible to to do that but in our local church it was there was um like three times a week there's regular activities and then there's of course sometimes some occasional things based on events that happen so three times a week that was the reason why i was able to do that and one of those would be the the thursday night prayer meeting and so i would go to that consistently regularly and and it's a part of the church that there was very few, very small percent of the church actually goes to it. Uh, for a church of, I don't know how many, we have 50 to 100 people, and there's like three to six, sometimes as few as three, sometimes as many as like 10 that would come to the, the weekly prayer meeting. And, and so, uh, but it just, it just became something that I was, do, that I would do, and a large part of it was because my host dad went, and so I would just always go with him. And, and, and so, what am I doing? Well, I'm just showing up. And, you know, sing a few songs, we pray together, and we leave. And so I didn't feel like I was doing anything. Certainly didn't feel like I was contributing anything. I wasn't leading. I wasn't doing anything. But I found out later that others perceived that as, some, as a really big encouragement. Hmm. And, again, it kind of goes back to it plays off of this dynamic in our context here. While you, how you demonstrate value and appreciation and caring by your presence, by your by your presence and your participation. So me coming and attending and participating in this meeting sent a message that I was valuing these people that were coming, that I wanted to be a part of that. And and for them, for some of them, they're feeling like this it's only it's contributing because you coming then also encourages others to come. And so it's kind of this momentum type of thing. It builds momentum. And so there were a few that expressed a great deal of appreciation to me afterwards that I was so faithful in coming and I was like, wow, I didn't think I was doing anything. So so there's little ways like that where we actually do contribute even though we don't feel like it. But but to me the whole key is is that we're not not coming in with this attitude that I'm really gonna bring something and just be an amazing part of this. 
you know, either bring some really good, strong Bible teaching because this church just really needs some strong Bible teaching or, you know, whatever it is that I might think that I might have. But coming in as a servant mm-hmm. and, a, and a learner. So whatever it is that you can do, how is it appropriate to, to help out? It might mean just dusting off the benches before the service. It might mean um, cleaning up dishes after an event. It might mean, I mean, there's all sorts of practical ways that, that it can be demonstrating that you're there that you're available and you're willing to serve, which, again, actually sends a really strong message in a context that has a lot of baggage of colonialism, paternalism, and and things like that, that I'm willing to come in and be your servant, and I'm not demanding anything of you. I'm not expecting to any status or position. I'm just willing to serve. And isn't that the example that Christ leaves us? Isn't that, again, this example of, of how we should be interacting based on what Christ himself has done and how he's asked us to engage. So so there's that aspect. And, and I think taking the time to learn, to say, okay, what does it look like? If I want to be effective in, in, a, in a local church, because the church is the, the, org, the institution that God has established for as the body and as, as ministry and all of that. So if I want to be effective as part of his body, a part of his ministry here in this context, what does that look like? How is discipleship even done in this context? Because otherwise, I'm going to come in and I'm going to try and do discipleship my way, which might not even be appropriate here. So how is it done here? How is church discipline engaged? How is conflict resolution engaged? How is teaching engaged? I might think that, wow, I'm a really good Bible teacher and this church needs some really solid Bible teaching, so I'm going to stand up and give some Bible teaching. But I might actually be not really communicating well and and my messages just don't resonate with people because I'm not communicating in a culturally appropriate way. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're even missing the entire point of what I'm hoping to I'm putting the emphasis over here, but my communication markers are completely off. They're missing that the emphasis is there. They're getting something else out of my message or they're unable to follow my message. There's just so many things that go into that. And so again, if I haven't taken the time to learn and to understand what that looks like, how do I hope that I'm going to be effective in it later? So, so my, my answer, that was a long, long part there, but my answer in terms of the local church and what role does it play, I would say it's, it's really a place for me to come in. It's my kindergarten. It's my, it's my primary school. I don't know. It's, it's my, my school where I get to fit in, learn how to be a part, and figure out what does it look like so that someday eventually down the road, I can have a have a, a a more active or a more a meaningful role in terms of participating in that. Mm-hmm. Can you give some kind of final words of advice for those new missionaries or those contemplating missions? Um, things you'd like to pass on, lessons that the Lord has taught you and brought you through um, as you sit here. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think the first thing that I would say is um, if you've been listening to some of this and you're thinking, wow, that's a whole lot to to bite off and a whole lot to get in. That's, that's a really huge thing. It's overwhelming or it's intimidating, it's daunting task or whatever. Um, you're absolutely right. that it, it, is, it is that. It is incredibly overwhelming and daunting in so many different ways. But the rewards are also huge. You know, I, I, again, I, it's, it's one of those things, as I talk about, for example, just dreading going to a church event 
dreading getting up off my couch or going out the door and engaging with people or going to a church event or, you know, whatever. So just let's just take church events. Dreading going to this church event because knowing that it's going to be uncomfortable. I don't know the proper time and it's going to take way more time than I probably think it is. I don't know my place. It's, it's not going to be done the way that I think it should be done. You know, so it's just it's very uncomfortable. So I'm dreading going, right? Or I'm dreading trying to engage in these relationships or, or whatever it is. But... Or, or the, the difficulties that I face in trying to build those relationships with my, with my host or with others, the difficulties in communication, the difficulties in knowing how to interact appropriately and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's intimidating. It is a huge task. But, but going through those things, wow, the results, it, it, it's so rewarding in so many different ways. And so as much as I might have dreaded going to a particular church event, Afterwards, it's like, wow. You know, of course, not at the beginning. I might still come home and be like, well, that was a waste of my time. But, but later, as I continue to grow in my understanding and my appreciation of things, afterwards, looking back and be like, wow, I'm really glad I came tonight. This has been really edifying for me. Or looking back over the year and saying, wow, look at all of these, the, how I was able to participate in the life of the church throughout this year. And I'm really glad that I was there. And this is my community and I belong here and I have relationships with them and that sort of thing. So so there's that that just that sense uh, that that even though at the, earlier on I was dreading it, coming out the other end, now having those relationships, now being established with people, seeing the the benefits of that. Or the same thing with my host family. Yeah, there was it was it was a lot of hard work early on and we invested a significant amount of time and energy into trying to develop those relationships. But today, we have an incredible relationship with our host family, and they would do just about anything that they could for us, and we would do just about anything that we could for them. Um, and and we, we've seen that. We've seen them step up and sacrifice for us. We've seen them be there when, when, we, when we have needs. Um, we've seen them uh, get our, have our backs. We've seen them protect us. We've seen them... Um, be our advocates just in so many different ways and and so not only is it a huge benefit to us in terms of our lives and our ministries and stuff like that it's it's actually it's a it's a cherished relationship that we now have Mm. and so the rewards are just huge and they're built it's it's a relationship it's it's not just a surface level relationship it's a relationship that's built on a significant investment and a significant amount of time together and so that's why we can say that yeah we, we know that they're willing to make sacrifices and come and do what they can for us because we've seen them do it. And, and they know that we're willing to do things for them because they've seen us do it. So there's, there's trust that's been developed there. So, so I guess all that to say, it's, it is a huge endeavor, a huge process that one is engaging in, but the rewards are also huge too. And, and beyond even the, the immediate rewards of those relationships and stuff like that, I feel like it's deepened my faith. It's deepened my my relationship with the Lord. It's deepened my understanding of of the way He works and and what He has done throughout history of the church and stuff like that. Um, so there's there's just an, an incredible amount of rewards from that perspective. Um, so I guess my advice to someone coming would be: it's not for the faint of heart. It's not something to just be like, "Hey, I'll come and try it." especially in our context, is something that's probably going to involve a significant amount of time and investment where um, in our context, you, you pretty much have no platform for ministry for, 
for at least two years, you know, you, you can't expect that you would really be engaging in what, what, what we would normally classify as ministry, right? Where we're seeing um, ministry activities and fruits of ministry and all that kind of stuff. There is stuff going on, but it's much more subtle. So, but you're just, you're not positioned to be able to do that before then. So, so someone who's thinking like, oh yeah, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do missions and I'll do that for two years. Well, I hate to break it to you. You, you might not, there's still a place for that. It's not saying you shouldn't come, but you just need to have the right expectations about what you're going to accomplish in that time. So, so I would say it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for someone who, who, who isn't convinced that God is directing them here. For us, I think one of the key things that sustained us through a lot of our experiences is that we were convinced that this is where God had brought us. So on those times when we were just ready to pack up and go home or we were just looking and seeing what flights were available to get us out of here, starting from the very first day when we arrived, um, when we were having those moments, what what kept us here, what sustained us through that is is the, the first, the realization, but okay, we know God's brought us here. So if he's brought us here, he's brought us here for a reason. And that encouraged us to turn to him and to depend on him for the strength and the, the endurance to keep going. So if a person doesn't have that, it's, it's probably going to be a lot harder to, to try and overcome some of those obstacles. Um, if, again, coming back to this attitude of a learner, I would say come with that attitude of a learner. Come ready to, you might be... Um, a highly effective, efficient, well-educated um, minister, whatever kind of ministry that you're involved in or whatever kind of life skills or job skills that you have, you might be really good. You might have a, a certain level of status and ability back home. And honestly, if that's the case, it's probably going to be harder for you because you have more to let go of. Hmm. Again, going back to Philippians 2, Christ had equality with God. But he chose like, equality with God. Like it doesn't get any higher than that. But he said, "Hey, I'm not going to cling on to this. I'm going to I'm going to accept to become nothing." So the higher up on that ladder you get, the harder it is probably to let go of that status that you think that you have. So uh, just I would encourage those who come. Man, it's an incredible journey. It's a rewarding journey. But come with that attitude of, "This is I'm here because God has brought me here. Um, I'm." I'm here because I'm going to do what it takes and invest the amount of time that it takes to be effective in ministry. And I'm here because I'm, an, I'm going to come with the attitude of a learner. I'm going to come with the humility of just being able to start fresh and submit to put myself under the authority and the tutelage, the teaching of the believers who are here so that I can grow into being effective in, in ministry later on. Um, and, and if in doing that, man, the impact can be huge and long-lasting, not just in your own life, but in the lives of those that you're interacting with here. Yeah, and of course, these principles of being a learner, being humble, applies only to cross-cultural ministers, right? Nobody else in the world could yeah. benefit from yeah. that attitude. No, we're laughing because, of course, that's, that's, that's absolutely not the case. And, and again, part of the reason we're so excited about these principles is we feel like they're rooted in, in, in God's word and in God's character and in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And if that's the case, then we probably need to examine how much of this applies to all believers 
who are choosing to follow in the footsteps of Christ. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting to me. That's Again, that's what one of the things that I say about how I how much I've grown in some of those areas. As we went back to our home church after a term on the field, and now after I had lived through this experience, okay, and, and all the things that I had learned along the way and stuff like that, and then came back and watched my, my home church engaging in church planting and outreach within their local community and realizing, wow, this is the exact same process the exact same principles that are undergirding all of this and somehow I just didn't connect that earlier until I had you know been forced to go through it so in in such a a, a stark way that it became clear to me so absolutely I believe that a lot of these key principles are the same exact thing if you want to go out and walk across the street in whatever context you happen to be in but wherever you are right now for sure you, and connect with your neighbors, connect in your community, and do that in such a way that you can more effectively live the life of Christ. It's, it's got to start with that attitude of humility, that attitude of a learner, that willingness to, to again, as, as, one of, as one person said, if, if we're going, going to, uh, if, if, a not, if an unbeliever is going to come to an understanding of Christ and what he's done, there's going to be a significant amount of compromises and and obstacles that need to be overcome. And it's our duty as believers to go the majority of the way. We need to be the ones who are overcoming those obstacles and moving towards the non-believer so that they're able to better understand who Christ is and what he's done. So it's, 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 it's our, our responsibility to be engaging in that. So what does that mean? How can I move towards my neighbor on his in his context, in his environment, and become more relevant, more understanding of who he is, rather than trying to expect him to, for example, come to a church on Sunday morning that he just might not be ready to do. Not to say that we shouldn't be inviting people to church, but but at what point are we doing that? You know, how what what investment am I ready to do beforehand in terms of moving towards them and understanding where they're at and becoming a part of their life so that then they might be willing to to um, understand where I'm coming from. Yeah, how much learning and humility have I demonstrated before I'm asking someone to learn? Exactly. You know, it's a exactly. no-brainer, and yet so much ministry happens without a lot of that foundation yep. often. Yep. But another thing I remember you saying that was really helpful that, you know, as we came, we're excited to come here, and we have all these ideas of what God's going to do through our lives. You said, I remember you saying this within the first week or so, maybe that's true. You know, mm-hmm. God, you're here for a reason. It's not just to live and adapt. It is mm-hmm. to do ministry. But maybe you're here because God loves you so much mm-hmm. that he's willing to bring you all the way over here, connect you with host family, host church, put you through this whole process because there's something so valuable to him that you're learning in that and that has really stuck with me that attitude that god loves me so much to involve me at this level in this kind of ministry wow that's uh yeah it is it's really amazing if you think about it and it's something that was said to me early on too and stuck with me and i realized wow that that really is the case and 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 
And the fact of the matter is, is the, like, the reason why is that God doesn't really need me mm. to do his work. But yet he's chosen to invite me into his work. So if I ever get to the point where I think that his work is dependent upon me, then I'm, I'm greatly mistaken. I've missed the point that I'm just, again, as we talked about earlier, this broken, fragile vessel that the purpose isn't even really to carry, contain or carry the treasure. The purpose really is to highlight the immense value of the treasure by the stark contrast against my absolutely worthless vessel. And and so that's that's my that's my purpose of highlighting the value of the treasure. And so me participating in God's work, it's it's like it's like me inviting my child to help me do something, whether that be fix my car or cook something in the kitchen or or whatever it is. If I'm going to invite my son to help me change the oil on my car, well, it's probably not because I need his help to change the oil, right? Absolutely not. I could probably do it quicker and easier by myself. So if I'm inviting him to help me change the oil on my car, it's going to be, first of all, because I love him and I want to spend time with him. And second of all, because I'm hoping that maybe he'll learn something through the process. Mm. And so I feel like that, that's, that's what I would see in terms of God working in my life. That, yeah, he's brought me here. And... And yeah, hopefully he's at the same time by his grace and his amazing goodness and power, he's also actually working in other people's lives at the same time through me, I believe. Um, but but ultimately, as far as I'm concerned, looking at, wow, he's, he's, he's taught me so much about himself and about who he is through this process. And, and so, um, again, that goes back to that, that attitude of that humility and attitude of a learner that... I'm on this journey with God, and he's teaching me more about himself through the process of joining him in ministry. And, and that's the same principle wherever you are, because wherever you are, God's brought you there, and he wants to do a work in your life. So am I open to that? Even better than that, am I intentionally seeking that? Am I going and asking, okay, God, where do you want to work in my life? What part of my life are, 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 do, have I been holding back, or do you still need to work in? How, how can I, how, what's the next steps that I can take with you? And how would you have me engage in the lives of those around me in such a way that that would be um, a blessing to them as well? So yeah, I think that that's a, that's a really neat principle of, of just realizing how amazing our God is. That even though he absolutely does not need us, he invites us to join him in his purposes. And along the way, he's working in our lives in some amazing ways. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that. And we're praying for you guys out there listening as God is inviting you to participate with him, that um, you get to engage with him and learn some of those same principles, Philippians 2, learner, being Mm -hmm. humble, and all of that. Yeah, thank you. You've been listening to the Rethink Missions podcast. For more information and episodes, go to wmissions.com. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review and subscribe.